Sound the trumpets. It's horse racing time. Saddle up for action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code RTFP. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler. 18 plus 21 plus in certain states to open or access an account and a resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligible restrictions apply. Voidware prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wagers within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. <laughs> yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a teaching tutorial Thursday presented by DraftKings, America's Number one rated sports book app. And I got to tell you, it feels good. It feels so good to number one, say a teaching tutorial Thursday because it's been a while. And number two, to know that one week from tonight, we have a real NFL game. And I am real excited about that. And we will have the best real expert analyst in the business, Greg Cosell, momentarily break down that game, among other things, like Leonard Fournette in a little bit. I should mention, we'll have a spread the word winner tomorrow. It means a great deal to us. Yes, I look at Ross Tucker NFL, at Ross Tucker Pod. I look Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and the new YouTube page, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. And I love the regulars. And some of the regulars, you guys have won twice. And you might even win a third time. But I also look for newbies. I look for people that say, you know what? I will retweet that for Ross. Or I will like that on Instagram or Facebook or whatever for Ross. Because that's the least I can do. And we really appreciate it. So thank you that do it. Plus, some of you are going to win Madden. A free copy, a free code, I should say, I guess, of Madden over the next six weeks. The first winner will be announced tomorrow. Tomorrow. I'll announce it tomorrow. Look, I found out anybody can get the DraftKings Sportsbook app on their phone. Anyone. Anyone can put the code Ross in and anyone can make a deposit. Right now, you just have to wait until your state is street legal until you can actually place a bet but you can do the free survivor pool and all those other things and you can even deposit and get ready for when your state is ready to go take advantage of that all for any other ones ross at ross tucker.com if you'd like the free madden code other than that patron shout out to Cortland smith we have another i think we're done here member of patreon.com slash rt media i love it and I love everybody on our private Slack channel is so fired up for this season. Almost as fired up as they are 
for The Big Show with Greg Cosell. The Big Show. So I mentioned earlier that about the DraftKings thing, Greg's Texans Chiefs breakdown is going to be presented by DraftKings. I know a lot of you are going to be playing you know, DFS next week. So we'll get to that in a second. But Greg, there's been a decent amount of news over the last you know few days since we spoke last week. Greg, of course, on Twitter, at Greg Cosell, the NFL Films guru, executive producer, NFL matchup show. By the way, Greg, got a ton of awesome feedback from our episode last week, which was the story of Greg Cosell and NFL <laughs> Films. People need to go back and watch on YouTube or listen to that because people loved hearing about Steve Sable and Bill Walsh and just kind of how things have come to be for you. Well, I know this is not a football thing, but I got to tell you, yesterday, a little piece of my childhood, Ross, uh, came to an end and it made me very sad. I grew up in Queens in New York and Tom Seaver passed away yesterday. And as a kid, I was a big Mets fan. And, you know, it's funny how different things strike you. But I knew he was ill. But that really, really struck a chord with me because that, that was a, a big part of my childhood. I bet. I, I bet. Yeah. What a terrific, terrific player and person by all accounts. I want to get to the Chiefs and the Texans. But I want to start with Leonard Fournette, released by the Jaguars. Yes. Signed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There's a lot of off-the-field stuff there, it seems, pretty clearly. But on the field, what did you see from Leonard Fournette last year? Well, Leonard Fournette's a fascinating player because at his best, okay, I thought that Leonard Fournette was a big, big-time runner, a super powerful uh, a finisher, a, a contact runner, uh, not shifty and elusive necessarily. But I thought last year and even going back to the previous year, so his second and third years in the league, I thought he was very hesitant, very tentative. I thought he started to tiptoe. I thought he was waiting for contact rather than being the one who initiated the contact. So I don't know where he stands in his career, but I will say this. It was an interesting signing to me because I think – at his best, at his core, he's a volume back. He's not a seven-carry-a-game back. So I'm very anxious to see how this plays out in Tampa uh, with everything they have offensively because I think he's the kind of back that you almost have to start your offense with, that he's an 18- to 20-carry-a-game back at his best, and he's not been at his best for a number of years. I can't imagine – them doing that in Tampa. I don't think you can either, right? No. I mean, with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and Tom Brady and the tight ends and Gronk, like, I, they're not give, they're not feeding the ball Leonard Fournette 20 times. You would think not. I mean, obviously, three years ago, his rookie year, when he was with uh, Jacksonville and they made it to the AFC uh, championship game and probably should have beaten the Patriots, that team was built on Fournette and defense. And Fournette was the the, the – sort of determining factor in how they played because we know about the run game. The run game shortens the game. The defense, your defense plays fewer plays. That's the kind of player Fournette is. You have to feed him the ball. Um, look, people probably remember after his freshman year at, uh, at LSU, people said he's a man among boys. He should be in the NFL right now. And he looked like that then. He had moments like that as a rookie in Jacksonville. And since then, he's become very tentative, 
very uncertain. Uh, it's, it's as if he's waiting and bracing for contact. Uh, so we'll see what he is. But I'm just not sure that he's a back you, you put on the field for 15 plays or 20 plays a game. I don't see him that way. So the other thing I think is interesting about him is I, I think the book, and it was primarily because of the offense they ran at LSU, but the book on him was coming out was, well, he's not going to give you much as a receiver. But he caught a bunch of balls last year, Greg. I mean, it wasn't like he didn't have a ton of yards, but he caught the football a lot of time. I mean, what, 76 catches or something crazy? 76. I mean, he certainly, if, if you're thinking of Tom Brady, Fournette's not a James White kind of receiver that I think you can line up all over the formation. But certainly he did catch a lot of balls. A lot of them were flats and, and check downs and uh, some screens here and there. But, um, uh, you know, again, catching a lot of balls as a back does not mean you're automatically a, a multidimensional receiver. I don't think he's the kind of guy you split out. But it uh, there's a lot of elements to that. They have a, a very interesting group of, of backfield players now and I don't know if all of them make the team so we'll see how it plays out obviously we're only for them we're only 10 days away from from their openers so we'll see how it shakes out just curious about uh Joe Mixon Alvin Kamara both in the news this this week as well you know Mixon got the deal Kamara's trying to get a deal how do you compare those guys Greg well Kamara is 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 a more to me of a multi-dimensional weapon than a quote-unquote foundation back. I think in today's NFL, with the team that he's on, he's incredible, incredibly important. Um, I'm not sure Kamara is a true foundation back in the sense that you'd feed him the ball 280 times in a season. Uh, but within the Sean Payton offense, how they run offense, uh, he's really, really important. There's not many guys that can do what Alvin Kamara can do in the context of that offense. Mixon, to me, is a little bit more of a foundation type back. I think you can give him the ball a lot. I loved Mixon coming out of college. Uh, I believe he was in the same draft as Dalvin Cook, if memory serves me correctly, and I loved Mixon. Um, he's a really good receiver as well. Hasn't quite been used as much that way with Cincinnati in the first his first couple of years there. We'll see now with Joe Burrow there. But I, I, I love Joe Mixon. I think you can make an argument that as a complete back, Joe Mixon is a top three, four back in the NFL. It's just that we don't talk about him because he's played for Cincinnati. I guess the last one I'll probably ask you about, uh, Tyrell Williams went down yeah. for the Raiders, uh, and everybody is tweeting and excited about Brian Edwards. I think we touched on him back before the draft, but – I want to get your thoughts on the Raiders receivers in general and Edwards in particular with Tyrell Williams now out for the season. Yeah, I loved Brian Edwards coming out of uh, South Carolina. He's He was a rarity. He was a four-year college starter. You don't see that very often now in, in the best conference in the country. I think he's physical. He's competitive. He can work the middle of the field. I think he has deceptive vertical ability. Um I loved him as a complete multidimensional receiver who could line up both inside and outside. And there was a mental toughness and competitiveness to his game that I think in some ways reminded me of a Michael Thomas. Because remember, Michael Thomas was a second round pick coming out. And a lot of people, they didn't think he'd be what he is in the NFL. Now, a lot of times team and scheme helps you put up numbers, as is the case with Thomas. But I, I really like Brian Edwards. And they also have Ruggs, who's got the vertical ability and also the run after catch on short throws. Um, 
Hunter Renfro is a really interesting slot receiver. I watched his tape this summer, and he's one of those efficient slots. So they have an interesting receiver core. Two rookies, Edwards and Ruggs, will get a lot of snaps, and we'll see how that plays out. They are rookies, but they, they have all the dimensions that you want in your wide receiver core. Okay, let's get to the game. Uh, it's hard to believe we are a week away from opening night. Next Thursday, we'll actually look at some of the other big games in week one. You know, some people don't get a chance to listen to it till later. So it's a good time a week in advance to get your breakdown of opening night. And then next Thursday, we'll dive into some of the other week one games, let people get ahead of it a little bit. Hopefully everybody knows now that we are daily. Uh, we are back to every day on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. We've got two Fantasy Feast podcasts a week, and Even Money, a college draft. Andrew does the Business of Sports podcast. Joe Dolan, by the way, your buddy at Fantasy Points, Greg, was awesome with his five fantasy football <laughs> commandments on today's Fantasy Feast podcast. Yesterday, I did my O-line rankings, Greg, and we'll start there, okay? Let's start with the Houston offense versus the Chiefs defense. Yep. And the one thing I noticed is last year going into the season, I thought – that the Texans, and this is before the Laramie Tunsil trade, but I thought that the Texans had very clearly the worst offensive line in the NFL. They get Laramie Tunsil. They had a couple rookies that played a little bit, Howard and Sharping. And you know, by the end of the year, Greg, they were okay. They were okay. And they have all five guys back up front. So, I, you know, even though they lost Hopkins, I, I, I like the fact that the Texans have an improved offensive line. Yeah, no, I think that their offensive line clearly improved. The two rookies, uh, Titus Howard missed some time last year, but he'll play right tackle. Max Sharping is pretty much entrenched at left guard. So I think their O-line will end up being solid. Look, these teams played twice last year during the regular season in which the Texans won. I believe that game was in Kansas City. And then obviously in the playoffs when they went up, what, 21-24, nothing. And that was the one of the big playoff comebacks by the Chiefs and, and Patrick Mahomes. I went back and actually looked at both those games. Um, the Texans are an interesting offense. Obviously, Hopkins is gone. But they're still pretty deep at wide receiver. And I think there are some concerns as we start the season as to the Chiefs secondary at corner. Uh, so we'll see how it plays out. Deshaun Watson, to me, is one of the most fascinating young quarterbacks in the league because we know what he's capable of as a second reaction outside of structure player. He can make absolutely special plays. But when you watch Deshaun Watson and that pass game, and I ended up going back and watching about seven or eight games this summer of the Texans offense, Deshaun is still looking to find that balance between playing from the pocket and leaving the pocket because he tends to leave the pocket prematurely. Uh, and again, because at times he can compensate with unbelievable plays, a lot of people, I think, don't factor in that he leaves some plays on the field because he will leave the pocket prematurely. So I think he's working through that. My sense is he'll develop that. He's an incredibly smart and aware kid. Uh, but that's something you notice on film, that, that he tends to leave early. And, of course, when you see that happen, you just assume it's poor O-line play, which is not always the case Ross, as you well know, having been in all alignment. Correct. So that's interesting. So you think, is it fair to say, you think the Texans come out and they believe their depth at receiver, even without Hopkins, they've got a lot of guys that can do different things, the Fuller and Cobb and um, Kenny Stills, et cetera. 
you think they come out firing against the Chiefs secondary? I do. And I think they've got two really good receiving backs in, in, in the Johnsons, Duke and David. Uh, and I think that uh, we know what Duke Johnson is. He was there last year. He's very effective offset. He's very effective split. In some ways, he's a lowercase Alvin Kamara. He's a really good receiver that is multidimensional in his formation use. David Johnson is, is much the same way. The question for the Texans is their run game. Very under the radar last year was how well Carlos Hyde ran for them as an eye back. And he's obviously not there. And David Johnson is now going to fill that role. Uh, I think the question is whether he can fill that role. I think when you look at David Johnson's tape from a year ago, there were times you felt that he looked like he was a step slow. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see on that because I think they do need some kind of run game. You know, people forget that Hyde carried the ball about 250 times. This is not a throw ball team, nor does Bill O'Brien want it to be a throw ball team. What's a throw ball team? You know, just coming out and you know, tossing it all over the yard. You know, they, they're not one of those teams. You know, they need a run game uh, to be effective as an offense. Um, and I think that we'll see what David Johnson is. But they do have a really deep receiving core and two backs and David and Duke Johnson who can cause problems for defenses. And the Chiefs do have con some concerns in the secondary. And uh, the Chiefs are a big sub defense. They play a lot of dime with six defensive backs. Uh, so it'll be very interesting to see because the Texans also line up a lot with two tight ends. Texans are very multiple personnel-wise and formation-wise. They play a ton of empty, which is really interesting. Uh, the Texans played – Watson had more empty passes last year than any quarterback other than Kyler Murray. Wow. That's interesting, Greg. All right, on the other side, the Chiefs offense, pretty well documented what they are going against the Texans defense. Would you call the Chiefs a throw ball team? I think they're structured that way. Uh, and, and by the way, in case you haven't noticed, I think their quarterback is pretty good, Ross. I think he's probably going to be a pretty good player. You know, that's just my my deep X and O evaluation of Mahomes. Uh, but uh, no, they're they're more of a team built on the pass and the run game working off their pass formations. Um, so what they do is they create issues for the defense. Well, they force the defense to have to defend the pass in a sense first and their run game becomes very schematically based, built off the, what they do with the pass game, which is why a lot of people believe that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire will be able to step in and be a big factor because it's not a run game built on Mahomes under center, tight formations, grind it away. They're not built like that. That's not the way they're structured in terms of their personnel and their formations. What do you think the Texans try to do? What do you think anybody tries to do defensively against the Chiefs? Uh, well, the Texans, look, they have Anthony Weaver as the D.C. now, but his background was with Romeo and Vrabel. He's been there, I believe. So my sense is they'll do a lot of the same things they've been doing. Uh, everybody plays man, but they play a lot of quarters coverage, four across, a four deep coverage. That's really a matchup zone. Um, I think you'll see a lot of that. You've got to try to keep those receivers in front of you. It's just it's it's a hard deal. There's so much speed with the Chiefs, and you you've just got to play with. When you play zone, you've got to play with great eye discipline, great leverage. You just can't be out leveraged and let those guys get behind you. Um, it's a very very difficult defense to play against. A very difficult offense, excuse me, to play against the Chiefs. That is because they're very good with in structure. 
and then Mahomes is is as good as there is making plays outside of structure because of his vision on the move and his ability to make throws at the intermediate and deeper levels with precise ball placement. So it's just a very difficult offense to defend. You said Mahomes is as good as there is outside the pocket. Greg, you are as good as there is inside the podcast. Absolutely terrific job. Can't wait for NFL matchup to get going. Can't wait for next Thursday night to talk with you about the other week one games. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Ross. Thanks a lot. All right, there he is, at Greg Cosell. And by the way, when you think Greg Cosell, you think about the season. When you think Greg Cosell, you think watching film. What? Where do you think he watches the film? NFL Game Pass. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. There are so many cool features of it, whether it's the coach's video, which I love. You can watch the end zone copy. Or... 45-minute condensed games. I know a lot of people that go back and they watch their second favorite team's game or they watch some of their fantasy guys on the condensed games. It's awesome. NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay every game all season long. They've got all these film session episodes now with Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devonta Adams. It's awesome. Oh, by the way, Greg Cosell, NFL Films, They've got the NFL Films archive. Go to nfl.com slash game pass to start your free trial today. That's NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. Tucks takes. Let's start today, Ross, with the Leonard Fournette news. What are your thoughts on the former Jag landing in Tampa with the Bucks? Well, there's a history, uh, not always, but there's a history of guys like Randy Moss, Corey Dillon, Guys that are talented but have had issues elsewhere. There's a real history of those guys when they're with Tom Brady. Now, is it because they were in New England and it was the Patriot way and it was Belichick? Or is it because they're with Tom Brady that you're able to get the most out of these guys? I don't know what Leonard Fournette has to give, okay? But it's a contract year. It's a lot of primetime games. He's going to be on a good team. This is his chance to rehab his image, to revitalize his career, and to try to get a decent second contract. I don't know what Leonard Fournette has, but they're, I think they're going to get his best. And I think if you look at their other backs, LaShawn McCoy and Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn, they needed a hammer. They, they needed the Corey Dillon, the LeGarrette Blunt the short yardage goal line guy. They needed that late in the game, closing games out. I think that's what Fournette will be. Takes. Some other moves include the Giants and Broncos making a trade. Uh, Broncos signing former starting center John Halipio. Jalapio. Jalapio, sorry. Raiders putting Tyrell Williams on IR. Lions giving Taylor Decker a huge contract extension. Patriots cut Mohamed Sanu and the Saints putting Alvin Kamara kind of, sort of, on the trade block. Explain. Yeah, no, I mean, they didn't. And I tweeted this, at Ross Tucker NFL. Please check out intern Casey, at Ross Tucker Pod. But, I mean, they're in contract negotiations. Then you have a reporter leak that... They're open to trading him. It's just so transparent. I mean, he's not going anywhere. 
they know he wants to be a saint and they've offered him a good amount of money and he hasn't taken it yet. So they leak this out there to try to make him nervous, try to have him take their best offer. We'll say, I think the more concerning thing is whatever happened with his back. You know, one person said epidural in his back. Another report said SI joint injection. Either way, I don't, it's not good. Um, especially if it's an epidural, but any injection in your back, I wouldn't feel real good about it this time of year, even if it is just the SI joint thing. Working backwards, Sanu, what a horrible trade by the Patriots. What a horrible trade by Belichick. Second round pick for like half a year of Sanu. Wow. And a lot of money. That's why, but look, I'll give them, it's a horrible trade and they deserve a lot of criticism for it. Period. Second sentence. Good move moving on. So many teams don't understand a sunk cost. So many teams hold on to guys because of ego. At least Belichick understands that you got to cut the cord when it's time to cut the cord. Taylor Decker, congrats to him. Evidently, the Lions up next is Kenny Galladay. We talked about Tyrell Williams with Greg and what that means for the Raiders. And the Giants signing Jalapio back tells you that they feel like they need depth inside. And Isaac Yadam was a seventh-round pick. So it means he's a decent player, but not a truly elite player like the guys that are traded for conditional seventh-round picks. He actually got traded for a seventh-round pick, which is you know not as good, clearly, as a conditional seventh-round pick. Ducks takes. Two other notes include Roger Goodell saying that he doesn't think that some teams having fans in the stands is going to be a competitive advantage. And Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins made some interesting comments on your buddy Kyle Brandt's podcast. How many people do you think realized I was joking? What percentage of our great listeners, Bri, do you think realized I was joking or that was tongue-in-cheek when I said that a seventh-round pick is not as good as a conditional seventh-round pick? I think the I think you you tend to underestimate our wonderful audience, our very smart, intelligent audience. So I think they all got it because they're they're really smart. Wow! So that's you trying to suck up and butter up to them, and they're so smart, Bri, that they clearly see through that half-hearted <laughs> attempt for you to engender some good feelings. All right, well, Look, that backfired. That on much me. about them. You'd be on our private Slack channel for the Tuckheads for patrons, patreon.com slash RT Media, as much as I am. So uh, they see right through that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, as for Goodell, look, I, I don't think having fans in the stands is a competitive advantage until you're at least at 50%. I mean, the advantage is the crowd noise. So I don't think you'd even really notice it or it'd be a factor until at least 50% and really probably over 75% because these guys are used to functioning in 100% full stadiums on the road. So even 75%, that's a lot less. Like that's, that's, that's a decent amount less than what these guys are used to hearing in their ears while they're out there. Uh, as for – so I, I kind of agree with Goodell – until the stadiums are full, which I don't think they will be all year. As for Kirk Cousins, he made some comments. He clarified them. How about my buddy Kyle, you know, who not only 
was on the podcast last Monday. He came here and was here with his family Friday and Saturday. For those of you that saw that on social media, a little tuck spreads. We got some sushi, which he loved. But uh, he's gotten some some good pub for his podcast already. If you didn't see it, Kirk Cousins just said he's not as worried about coronavirus as other people. And if he dies, he dies. I think people are forgetting or don't realize Kirk is very, very religious. So he has peace with, um, you know, the afterlife and what happens to him. Eternal life, I guess you could say. Uh, speaking of eternal life, there is no way to segue from that to me telling you about the absolute no-brainers that DraftKings has going on right now. So I won't even try. I'll just tell you, like I said earlier, any of you can go ahead and get one of the free Madden codes. Any of you, any state, wherever you are, you can go ahead and sign up using the code Ross at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Like if you have an Android like me, it's not in the Play Store. You got to get the DFS app, and then there's a place to download it there. But either way, right now, you can get the Chiefs plus 101 in next Thursday's game. Are you kidding me? The Chiefs plus 101 in next Thursday's game. You heard the breakdown with Greg earlier, the DraftKings segment breakdown of the Texans and the Chiefs. And now you can get the Chiefs with 101 points. I mean, they're giving you free money. Whatever the, the limit is, they're giving it to you. Plus, if you guys are in states where you can't place a wager yet, the free survivor pool is a great idea. Why not download the app now? Use promo code Ross. You can take advantage of the no-brainer of an offer. And promo code Ross, you can also do the free football survivor pool. Limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, PA only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus, first bet match. Each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's get to an email, Bri. Ever wanted to ask an NFL player a question? Well, here's your chance. It's time to ask Ross. Email address is ross at rostucker.com. It's one of my favorite parts of what we do because I like interaction with you guys. I like your questions. And so if you take advantage of any of our sponsors, NFL Game Pass or DraftKings or Lightstream, if you heard that on the Fantasy Feast podcast or whatever, you can ask me any question you'd ever like, and I pick one of you to win something at the end of the week. What do you got, Brian? Hey, Ross. I have a question for Wednesday's podcast with Andrew. When Ross, when you said that Chris Jones would receive $37 million upon signing and then they just had to pay Mahomes, it led to this question. Do teams have a business account that they hold many millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars, to pay this in one check? Also... When does the TV money come into the account along with game revenue, merchandise, etc.? Now, with COVID and possibly no fans reducing some of this revenue throughout the season, could this affect payroll or possible contract changes to defer certain bonuses or pay structures? That is from Sean Maloney. Really good question, Sean. The one, the first thing I would tell you is that just the national television 
money. National television contracts and sponsorships, each team got a check from the NFL or gets from the NFL $280 million last year. So they have more than enough money to pay their players. That's number one. Number two, whatever's fully guaranteed upon signing, the team has to put that into an escrow account still. And so they do have a bunch of money, cash on hand. The other thing, though, is they also, most signing bonuses aren't at one time, right? Like it's a signing bonus, meaning you are guaranteed to get it, but it might be, you know, a third of which is payable on August 7th, another third payable on December 3rd the last third payable on March 18th, something like that, right? So that is how it goes. That's how it ends up playing out. Uh, they're not you know, giving all these guys one huge check like that. It's usually installments to answer your question. Shout outs today. Good question, by the way, Sean. Really, really good question. And you're right. Andrew might've been better if you're looking for like exactly when the money, like how the money gets deposited. Andrew might've been better for that. Anyway, Shout-outs go to Pizza Boy Brewing, DynastyFreaks.com, and we got a new one, Bri. We have a new, I think we're done here, shout-out, patron, Sportaculture. It's really cool. It's like different types of plants and stuff, but they're team-themed. So I check. I, I encourage you guys to check out our guy, Court Smith, and his Sportaculture website because you can get like – for this fall or whatever, you can get a plant or flowers, but there's like either the vase or something in the plant is team theme, NFL team theme. It's really cool. Really cool. So that's Sportaculture to go along with Pizza Boy Brewing and DynastyFreaks.com. That'll do it for this teaching tutorial Thursday. Make sure you check out Joe Dolan's Top 5 Fantasy Football Commandments for 2020. And love those of you sending emails in. Tomorrow, we'll have M-Dub. Bold predictions with M-Dub. We're taking it back to the four-letter network days. Bold predictions with our buddy M-Dub on tomorrow's Ross Tucker football podcast. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker football podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.